Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. You got your word this morning? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ian, have you got yours this morning? Are you back to the phone, my friend? All right, fair enough. You're seasoned. But I really want to encourage you. We, we said a few weeks ago, no longer do we put the uh, scriptures up on the screen. And the reason that we do that is far, it's far just too easy not to um, have an idea of where the books of the Bible are because preachers like me just say, look to the screen, whereas we need to be looking to the Word of God. Amen. So do encourage you each weekend, bring that, bring your um, Bible, bring your tablet, bring whatever it is with you. And um, we're, we're going to um, get into 2 Corinthians this morning and chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you want to open up your Bibles there this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to continue uh, through this series, um, um, trying to understand God when God doesn't seem to make too much sense, and we want to continue along uh, that journey this morning. Firstly, we want to say very thankful to have everyone here this morning. Thanks for coming out and being with us today. Thanks for coming and worshiping with us today. I know it's such, such a, a, a significant thing, but sometimes it can be a difficult thing with all that's going on during the course of the week. But how good it is that people like you and I this morning have made the choice to be here today in the house of God. Amen. You could be in many places this morning, but you've chosen to be here. And I know because of that, God's blessing is going to come as a result of that. Last week, you would have seen the story of uh, Lazarus that Suzanne, I think, did Suzanne preach last Sunday morning? It would have been a powerful message, no doubt. But preached on the story of Lazarus where uh, Mary and Martha are waiting for Jesus to come and heal uh, Lazarus. Um, He comes late. Uh, Lazarus dies and Mary and Martha are so disappointed on the inside that Jesus comes. uh, He came too late. Uh, But what we find that in the process of time, they think that he's arrived too late. But as always, God's perfect timing comes to pass. Um, Jesus comes and raises Lazarus back to life again. Lazarus got to live. Uh, God just seemed a little bit late. And we saw last week there are times when we feel like God is is running a little bit late, that he's not coming or, or moving according to our time schedule. So that was last week. This morning we're going to look at, at the times where God seems uncooperative. Ever had a time like that? God seems uncooperative. Why aren't you doing it the way that I think that you should, God? Yeah, I know, because there's only a couple of us that think like that. We know uh, that God uh, could do something. We believe that he will, and then he does not. Or he does the opposite of what we were hoping or thinking that he would do when he seems to be uncooperative. And this morning, what I believe uh, that we're going to learn is how to trust God during these times when he seems uncooperative. Amen? How do we trust God in those times when he seems uncooperative we've all had seasons like that where God doesn't seem to be cooperating with us well I just want to say this morning maybe he's not meant to cooperate with us maybe we're meant to cooperate with God that might be just a little side thought just to kick around there but you know we've all had situations when when we've prayed uh, and God has immediately answered our prayers Had, had times like that I know when I've gone to bed at night time you might be um, agonizing over something or praying about a situation and you pray to God and you, you give it to God and then the next morning when you wake up, bang, the whole thing's changed. The whole situation's gone from being quite um, ugly and quite uh, terrible and then overnight God comes and answers your prayer just like that. I mean, I love that. But then we've had times where we thought we knew uh, what the outcome of our prayers should be. 
where we thought we, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. Uh, God, we know exactly what you're going to do, but during those sorts of times, um, nothing happens, and sometimes the exact opposite happens to what we think should be the answer to the prayers that we're praying. Anyone ever had a prayer like that? I have had prayers like that. I remember um, about 20 years ago it would have been, and um, at that particular time, um, I think um, Rachel and I were just 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 began meeting. I think it was. It was around about that. We've been married. We've been married. I better be careful, men. We've been married 20 years next year. <laughs> 20 years this year. Dan, I'm gone. 20 years this year. I knew it was close, darling. So sorry. Uh, 25th of October. I got the date right. Woo! <laughs> Come on, men. I'm not the only one that does that. Be honest. Man up. But we were just starting to date. And I remember um, at that particular time serving uh, with David and Marilyn Schaefer. Uh, David's still a coach slash mentor to me today all those years on. But da- David um, back then was married to a beautiful woman of God uh, called Marilyn. Marilyn and David were the state chairman for INC New South Wales. Very committed, very very um, um, passionate about serving God. And Marilyn, Marilyn was diagnosed with a, with a, a brain tumor. And, um, you know, it was quite devastating at the time, but I was confident that God was going to heal her because I felt in my heart and mind that she, God could do much more with Marilyn this side of eternity than the other side of eternity. I, I was absolutely confident. So we, we prayed for weeks and months. We, we fasted. We declared the Word of God. We got other people to come and pray. And we, we did everything that we thought that we need to do because we were sure that God would have to answer our prayer to heal Marilyn. But you know, the reality is God did not heal Marilyn. Marilyn passed away. And you know, we can think, think things like this, God, that doesn't make sense to me. And Marilyn's passing didn't make sense to me. I think 20 years on, I probably look now at David and Tula and the family and all that, and I probably go, well, God, even though it was difficult, we probably saw your hand through that. But at the time, I thought, God, what's happening doesn't make sense. And you know, there's probably many of us in this building this morning that have a similar version like that. You've prayed, you've fasted, you've asked, you've thought, God, the answer is simple. We know exactly what it is that you should do. But God appears to be uncooperative. And the exact opposite takes place. Very, very sad. But there are seasons in life like that. Some of us can have uh, things like this. We can have um, God gave you the perfect parking spot at Stockland Mall. But then God won't take away your migraine or your headaches. God, give me a park. God, supernaturally, there's the park there, right at the front of that store that you love. Amen. But then you go to God and say, God, these migraines continually buffet me. Take them away. And it appears to be that nothing takes place. Or you're praying for your marriage, or you're praying for some ongoing pain or ongoing question, and nothing takes place. Nothing seems to happen. And the question this morning is this that we need to look at. What do you do when God seems uncooperative? What do you do when you're a follower of Jesus, a sincere follower? You believe that God could answer your prayer and God does not answer your prayer. Today we want to have a look at the life of the Apostle Paul and look at one particular text in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
and look at a few different thoughts about prayer and, and hopefully we'll get some encouragement and some direction around this thought about why is it that God is sometimes uncooperative. The first thought we want to bring us about prayer is this. It should be up on the screen. Prayer isn't about getting our own way. It's about surrendering our will. Thanks, Suzanne. You got it, honey. You get it? Look at it. Prayer isn't about getting our way. It's about surrendering our will. Get the picture. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember the story? If you're not quite sure about it, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the weight of the world's sin is bearing down upon him. Every hour, every minute by minute, the weight just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Jesus cries out and he says, uh, he says God, uh, if it be your will, take this cup away from me. In other words, please, God, if this is not directly your will, then remove it from me because the weight of it's crushing me. But he goes on to say, but therefore, not my will, but your will be done. That's prayer. Well, Jesus teaches us how to pray. What does, he, what does he bring to us? Jesus taught us to pray. He said this. He said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, that's how he taught the disciples to pray. Thy will, God, be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. True prayer isn't just about getting God to do what we want. It's often surrendering our will to what God wants. And the apostle Paul we're going to find this morning, actually discovered this. We want to tell you a little bit about the Apostle Paul. And the thought is this. If anyone deserved answered prayer, it would be this guy. You're good and we love you and God loves you and you're doing good things. But the reality is this. If anyone deserved answered prayer, it was Paul. Some of the story of Paul, uh, we see Paul starting out as Saul and uh, he hated Christians. He did all that he could to kill Christians. He despised them. Then we see him, um, Acts chapter 9, I think it was, he has this divine conversion where the light of heaven sh shines down upon him and he cries out to Jesus and goes on from someone that's hate, hating Christians to being one of the most effective Christians in history. I mean, Paul was an astounding guy. He wrote over half of the New Testament. He essentially traveled on a ship, they say, for around 20 years. Woo! Imagine the fishing opportunities during that time. 20 years at sea. Man, be telling some big stories there. But about 20 years, he took the gospel to every part of the world that he could get to. He took the gospel to Europe, they say. He had visions beyond comprehension. He raised people from the dead, but he paid also an incredible price for it. Paul was stoned for his faith. And I mean not the smoking stuff, the stone, stone. He was stoned for his faith. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. He was beaten by the rods and left, for, uh, beaten by rods or beaten with rods and left for the dead. Five times he was ripped, 39 times. And you would think that if anyone deserved answered prayer, it would be who? You are good, but you're not that good. Amen? So you would think that in the midst of that, Paul would pray a prayer and God would answer it. God would probably be thinking in heaven, you, you've done all of this stuff for me, you've achieved so much. I'm going to make your, your later years, make sure that they're better than your former years because you know that I'm a good God. Wouldn't you expect that that would be God's perception and, 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 and focus and desire towards Paul for all that he did? But no, we're going to find something this morning that's quite interesting. 
quite a challenging portion of Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, have you got it this morning? Say aye. In verse 1 through to 6, we won't read it, but Paul's basically talking about his experiences in God. He's talking about dreams and visions. He's talking about being elevated to a place like no one else has ever gone before, and he's seen things that cannot even be uttered with human speech. That's, that's how divine and how incredible and miraculous the revelations and the dreams and visions that Paul has seen. That's verses 1 through to 6. But then... This is what we read in verse 7. It says, Paul speaking, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Have a read of it again. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. He serves God faithfully and God allows this to happen? What? Some scholars have thought, well, what, what were they talking about? What was the Bible talking about when it was talking about a thorn in the flesh? And scholars have debated for many years and really it's anybody's guess what this thorn was. But whatever it was, we see in Scripture here that it was agonizing to Paul. He said it was tormenting me. It was something that was continually eating away at him. And people wonder what it was. Most scholars believe that it was some kind of physical ailment. God, Paul, excuse me, the most miraculous apostle of all, done so much so, and yet God allows this to happen to him. God's not cooperating with him at all. Satan brings something into Paul's life. God allows it. God not only allows it, but God uses it. God uses it, from, from, uses it to keep him from becoming conceited. What does that mean? God's using this thorn in his flesh to stop him from becoming proud and arrogant. Remember verses 1 through to 6, all the revelations, all the dreams. So God sends, doesn't, doesn't um, um, send it, but allows Satan to bring this thorn to his flesh to stop him from becoming proud. And today, you know, many of us right now, you might have some thorn in your life, some issue, some challenge. It might be a person. It might be a person, it might be a sickness, it might be an ailment in your body, it might be some sort of financial thorn, but we need to remember that prayer isn't just about getting our way, but it sometimes is about surrendering our will and saying, God, even though I really wish you would do this and you're not, I'm choosing to trust you in the middle of this situation. Amen? To trust you. Paul comes to this conclusion. God has allowed it. It torments me. But God used it, for, uh, used it to keep me from becoming conceited. God was allowing this thorn in Paul's life, as I said before, to keep him humble. The second thing I want to pull out this morning as we start to conclude in the next six minutes together, number two, prayer reminds us that we are not in control. Prayer reminds us that we are not the author and the master of our own lives. It reminds us of that. Prayer reminds us that I can't control all situations. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 8. He says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times I pleaded 
with the Lord to take it away with me. And I want to highlight and underscore, Paul didn't say it like this, God take it away, God take it away, God take it away. No, there were three intense seasons of prayers, I would expect, where Paul sought the Lord and said, Lord, please take this thorn away from me. Three times he begged to the Lord to take it away. Three seasons where he pleaded with God to take it from him. And some of you might be in a season this morning like that right now. God, please save my business. God, please heal my body. God, please save my marriage. You, you may well be in a season like Paul pleading before the Lord for this thing right now. And maybe things don't seem to be changing. It may seem like things are getting more difficult or more unbearable. But prayer reminds us that we are not in control. Some things happen that we don't understand now, but just because God seems uncooperative doesn't mean that God is not at work in our lives. Just because with this situation, you're pleading with God and you're feeling like God's not cooperating, it does not mean that God's not working still in your life and in your future and in your family and in your best interests. Amen? The response that, that the Lord brings back to Paul in verse 9, this is the response to Paul about his request to take away the thorn. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. This thorn, this weakness, God was actually using as a way of filling Paul with his strength. Hallelujah. When we feel weak, he is strong within us. His strength is perfected in our weakness. If I could just have the worship team, that would be great. Awesome. Anyone need me to play? <laughs> supposed to say forget that. People are looking for a joyful, joyful sound. What about singing? You want me to sing? No, you don't. Not at all. Yeah. As I conclude this morning, I really hope that we get, we just get this last bit. Paul wrote this text. When Paul wrote this text, it would have been several years after he received the thorn. Get it? So it comes to him, and then a number of years later, he writes the text. Got it? And I've got no, no doubt in my mind, when it first arrived, when that thorn first was delivered, he would have been thinking, God, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? Where are you, God? He would have been thinking, God, why am I going through this, Lord? Why, why are you allowing me to go through this season, this thorn in me? It's unbearable. Remember the three... Three seasons of praying and pleading with the Lord, take it from me, take it from me. 
If you're a good God, why is this happening to me, Lord? Why are you allowing this to happen to me if you're so good, God? That would have been thoughts raging through Paul's mind. And I'm sure that there are people here this morning that have allowed those thoughts to rage through your mind at different times as well in your journey with God. But as Paul reflected back on his life some years later and the thorn that had really tormented him, he now knew that without this thorn, his pride may have taken him out of his ministry because it was this thorn that was keeping him humble. In fact, look what he says in verse 12, uh, 8, to th- 8 through to 10. Paul's talking about it. He says, I received this thorn. It stopped me from being conceited. I pleaded to the Lord three times over a number of seasons. I asked him. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, for, your, for, your, for my, my strength is perfected in your weakness. And Paul goes, I understand now. Because he goes on to say this. Let's look at what he says about his life and what's going on. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is for Christ's sake. I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, you might be facing something right now that is difficult and hard. You might be facing a a, a challenge, a circumstance, and you're thinking, God, where are you in the midst of that? I want to say that God is with you. He is known as Emmanuel. God will never leave us nor forsake us. (laughs) It's not the successes that make us closer to God. It's those times when I can't do anything but depend on God that helps us to grow and to know Him in an intimate way. Did you love that this morning? Some of us are thinking, God, where are you? He's right there. Some of us are thinking, God, why am I feeling overwhelmed in this situation? God says, my strength's perfected in your weakness. When we're going through a difficult season, we can trust that Jesus wants and will be closer to us in our times of weakness. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Hallelujah. Listen to this thought this morning. Don't surrender to the situation, but to surrender to God in the situation. Paul looked back and thought, well, God, even though it tormented me, even though it was such a difficult season, you used it. When it began, I had no idea why this came into my life and into my world. But as I journeyed through through that season and I started to look back, I could see that you were using that situation, even though I disliked it. Even though, God, I felt like you weren't there for me. Even though, God, I felt like this could not be you allowing me to go through this difficult season. As I've gotten through to that season and look back now over my life, I see that, God, you were there leading me through. Amen? The Bible says that God will never allow us to be tempted more than our capacity to be able to endure. And this morning, for people that are here today and you're you're facing something this morning you're thinking that God's being uncooperative he's not doing what 
what it is i want to encourage you don't surrender the situation keep being strong keep being praying but to surrender to god in the situation hallelujah let's bow our heads this morning heavenly father thank you you know our situations you know the things that we are facing right now sometimes father we can feel like you're uncooperative with us that you're not doing what it is that you want us we want you to do but lord this morning we just we just we just thank you that you have a perfect plan and a purpose for our lives and that we know lord that that that, that you work for the good of those who love you and have been called according to your purpose so father i pray for each person this morning here that might be struggling with this thorn wish this thing in their lives that they wish would go away god i just pray that you would be revealed in all things in every situation in our life because you are so faithful you are so faithful well every head's bowed and eyes closed this morning if you're here and you've never given your life to jesus christ you've never asked him to be your lord and your master or you may be away from god today you may have known him but you've you've turned in an opposite direction i want to give you an opportunity this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make with your life and that is to give your life to jesus christ to recommit your life to him this morning and while heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning if you're in this place and you're away from god or you need to reconnect with him this morning while every head's bowed and eyes closed would you raise your hand this morning so i can see that but more importantly that god could see that this morning as i look across the auditorium from left to right right to left just quickly 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 this morning if that's you this morning you need to make that decision hallelujah we bless you we worship you thank you lord well amen